What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a former firefighter, a rising star and visionary in the hospitality industry, a former director of design and construction at Diamond Rock Hospitality. He's a current board member at HDAC, which is the Hospitality Diversity Action Council. He's currently the CEO of the 26 Co. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Anderson. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. It's so good to have you here. And I just want everyone to know, I've met Aaron a handful of times in the past, but mostly in passing. Um, and right. it wasn't really until I sat down next to you at the Hunter conference in May, where I really got to know you at a much deeper level at that dinner that we did. It was the first industry event that I'd been in since I think we've all been in in a while. So it was weird sitting down next to someone at dinner. It was wonderful to be there. What struck me most about that conversation is how helpful you were um, to my friend, Tom, who is uh, developing a hotel um, up in Buffalo. It's his dream to do it. He has some land and a, and a property. And, but you also asked a really amazing clarifying question where he was saying he wants to do all these things and he was kind of all over. And you said like, what's your thesis? And it was just such like a focusing question. And it, everyone kind of got involved at that point. And I'm really curious, like, where did you learn how to ask that question? Because I love it. Uh, probably when I was at Diamond Rock, uh, you know, I was learning about investing and, in, you know, what this world was on the ownership side. I was honestly, I was super lost, right? Just having come from the third party project management side. Usually when we get something, it's like, just hand it to us. We're like, hey, go. But when I was at Diamond Rock, you know, uh, talking with the investment guys, doing investment analysis with the deal guys, um, I would say, man, why, why don't you, why don't you look at something in Puerto Rico? And they're like, that's not in our thesis. It's not what we do. Right. I'm like, well, what is your thesis? You know, they're like, well, okay, let me break it down for you in layman's terms. We're, we're a private company. We're a long-term you know, investment company. We hold things 10, 12, 15 years. Right. And, um, that was, from there on, I started to learn, like, your thesis is, what is actually, what is your goal? What, is, what, what do you want to invest in? What, what is your, uh, what's your area of, ex you know, where do you want to be an expert at? You know, like, what's, uh, and so my question at the time was like, man, what's your thesis? I know you want to develop a hotel. Are you, you want to do it for you and your kids? Or you want to do it for the community? Or you want to make it a travel spot? Like, you know, kind of what's, 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 what's the goal here, right? So uh, th that's kind of where I learned that. It's interesting because uh, getting so clear for me, especially like providing furniture to so many hotels, um, some clients are, Hey, they just reposition and they want to sell it immediately. And I find that we work really well with companies that want to spend a bit more and hold because then quality is important. It's not just like you're flipping a house, like Chip and Joanna Gaines exactly. and just trying to gain as much as you can, which is great, but right. everyone has a different thesis. And, um, I don't know, I've stolen that from you. I call it R and D rip off and duplicate. Right. Um, because when I, when I'm talking to someone and there's a lot of information coming at me, it's so good to get help as a coach to help others get focused. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think everybody needs to know what their thesis is. Whatever you're doing, right? Who's your target client? What, what area? What area you each kind of play ball? I mean, for for 26 go, I had to figure out what our thesis was. What you know? What, what was our mission statement? Same thing, right? What, what was what was our mission? And you know, but so I, I think everyone needs it for sure. Well, that's actually a great question. So with 26 and Co, which is really, I'm so excited for you to be out there and be an entrepreneur, and you know, relocated your family, and like you're in it to win it. What is the thesis and mission of what you're trying to accomplish at 26 Co? So, so 26 Co, we're a full service project development service firm, focusing on mostly full service assets. Uh, you know, we, we'll do, we'll do whatever our clients want us to do, mostly focus on full service assets. Um, you know, as we went through this venture, we've decided also to, you know, figure out how to take 
down our own assets as well, right? Investing in our own assets. Uh, that's going to be a small percentage of our business, but um, that is a huge goal as we're trying to bring diversity to the top of the food chain. And I think one way we can do that is through ownership. Um, and so uh, th that's what the 26 code is. And we, we want people to, we want contributors. We go by contributors. We really don't have CEO or CFO unless we're, we're kind of forced to, we really like to be a contributor because we feel like everyone in our, in our companies are contributing. Everybody's contributing, right? We've, we're trying to get out of uh, the titles and making people feel less than sometimes. Cause I, I think I was in those moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm climbing the chain, but you know, nobody, you're on an email and they're like, I'm not going to respond to the coordinator. I'll respond to the VP. Right? So, so we've got to, we've got to went to like a more of a contributor uh, type deal. And, and that's kudos to my wife mostly because she came up with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then, so how did she present that idea to you? I'm actually very curious about that. That's cool. Contributors well, only or most. Yeah. Well, so the, the, the thing with CL, right? A lot of people think it stands for company, right? But it does stand for company, but it stands for contributors. It stands for collection. It stands for community. And we've just taken that CL role with it. And she's really, we're trying to figure out, you know, what do we call the people that we care about in our company, right? Like, you know, who are they? What, you know, what's, What's going to be, you know, that thing besides staff members or employees or, you know, and so we really just kind of came up with something that we say contributors, hey, it's all hands on deck. Everybody matters um, because I think that's, you know, that that's one thing we're, we're, we really want to live out and we try to live to our day to day. You know, everybody matters. Everybody. Nobody's off, off limits. You know, nobody, nobody's at a ceiling, right? I, so in that C just hearing community and contributor, um, and obviously we're kind of, we're in the hotel space, um, predominantly. So when you think about this community contributor CO, how does that help you or how do you define hospitality? And as you use your thesis for 26 CO to go forward and make this all happen. I think hospitality is really just providing that place of warmth for someone due to it being traveling, due to it being that friend that needs to come over and just sleep over and, 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 and spend some time with you because they're, if they're going through something in life, uh, that moment where my grandmother owned a shelter for women and children, we were in hospitality. We're providing meals. We're providing, uh, providing a warm bed to stay, you know, providing clothes. Um, hospitality is just not hotels or restaurants, right? It's, it's really, it's really providing a, a cozy place and a safe place for someone to be. And if you get the service them during that time, that's even better. Um, but sometimes people just need, you know, that place to stay, even if it's just business, right? We go, we stay in hotels a lot for business. Um, but I think it's bigger than just business, even though that's, you know, that, that's a big part of our industry. But I think hospitality is found in just catering to others and giving back to others uh, in those different ways. And, and sometimes lodging comes with that, you know. It's interesting. I, I had a guest on, his name is Jason Caldwell. He's rode across the ocean a couple of times. I saw him speak at the HD Summit in, um, in Tahoe. And the reason why I had him on is because he basically stripped everything bare of what would be comfortable, but they found these moments or gathering points where they actually gave and receive hospitality in the middle of ocean in just the most insane circumstances, but they were able to be comfortable and hearing you talk about, or just not talk about, but just mention your grandmother and the shelter for battered women, like coming from the hotel world, you know, where it's what's the thread count and what's this and what's that? And like, oh, is it luxury? Is it not? Is it this? Is it that? I wanted to know if you could share some of how, like how you would make these women who just are totally on the outs and just really struggling. Like, do you remember any um, situations where they like, even it's not like you're staying at the Four Seasons, but how did you make them feel comfortable? What did you, how are you inspired by that? Yeah, so plenty of stories. I, I mean, I grew up in it, um, it, you know, till I was 
I was, I was in it. So at least 13 years old, right? Hardcore in it every day. Um, but I would say, Dan, look, primarily most of these people were coming out, coming in from either mental illness, like because they, they were homeless in some way before, some were in fires, some were evicted due to couldn't pay. Some were, you know, in abusive situations. And as I was a firefighter, as you mentioned in the beginning of the show, my point of all this is that most people were coming when they didn't have anywhere else to go. This was like a last result. So you had no choice but to have empathy and say, I'm bringing you in as you are. It doesn't matter. Some people you came in, you hugged. Like, look, it, it's really meaningful to me because, like, my, I, I gained a brother out of this. I met my brother at seven years old, and my mom ended up adopting him, and, you know, I, I gained a brother out of this, right? And my brother was sleeping on trains, right, before we met him. At seven years old in Chicago by himself. Right. So making these people feel comfortable that when they, when they went in, my grandmother made sure they, they didn't care what time it was. It'd be 10, 11 o'clock at night. She, she'd say, go, someone go get in the kitchen and get this person some food. You know, go, go, go get them a hot plate. Go get them, you know, uh, water, uh, whatever they, whatever they wanted. Get, get them rolls, get them. Then they get up the next morning, they had breakfast. They had, you know, sleep as long as you need to, you know. And then they started to put them on a path where they can do for themselves, right? And so embracing people and hugging people and, and loving on people, that was the only way to do it. And, 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 and it's a heart posture thing. You can't force it. You got to love it, right? So you just said heart Yeah. I've not yeah. heard that. I've not heard those two words together because in all of these conversations that I'm having, there's this idea of like that. It's a kind of a thread that goes through is this idea of open-hearted listening, right? Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be acknowledged. And it was interesting when I asked you, like, how do you define it? One of the first things you said was having a friend who's in a hard time, you know, stay on your couch or something like that. And where did you learn about this idea of heart posturing? I'm really curious about that. Heart posture came from my mom, right? So my mom worked for my grandmother's shelter, right? All right. So mom worked for the grandmother's shelter and she'll say, you know, she had my sisters working for me, right? I have a sister, right? And I have two sisters. And I remember one time she fired my sister, right? Like from the family, quote unquote, business, right? Like she fired me. And then I, I talked to her like the next day and I'm like, mom, what, what do you know? She's like, I'm, I'm going over to see about your sister. I, I know she doesn't have a job. Like she's talking like third person, right? I'm like, you're the one that fired her. And she's like, yeah, but I got to make sure she's eating. I got to make sure she's okay. I got to make sure she's, you know, she has everything that she needs. And she treated everyone like that. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if it was the guy off the street. It didn't matter if it was someone that she was bringing in our home for adoption or a temporary stay. It, it didn't matter. And what I learned was her heart posture was always loving people for where they're at. Sometimes I feel that as a society, we get caught up trying to get people to be where we're at, right? Instead of just meeting people where they're at, right? You know, we, 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 we get caught up in this, you know, well, if you're not like me, then, you know, I can't accept you. It's not about that, right? It's, 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 it's about meeting people where they're at, loving people where they're at. And I think that takes on, and why I play such a big role in hospitality is because people checking in, you don't know what type of day they've had. You don't know what they've been through when they get off that flight. You don't know how many times they were delayed. And our GMs, you know, like they're training their staff to embrace people. And I think that's all it means. It's if you're ever having a bad day, just go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> It'll brighten. Usually it brightens my day. I get some of that pollination sauce. I'm there. Yeah. That brings out a smile. But their heart posture is great, right? Like, hey, you know, like we might one of them are having a bad day. 
but you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like you, you want extra pollination? You want two or three? You know, it's, it's amazing. I think this, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this whole heart, open-hearted or heart posture, or just the idea of listening. I think like right now, you know, we're in this state where every, everyone is so divided and like everyone's speaking into these echo chambers, but really like we have two ears and one mouth. And you said something that really struck me where it's like, okay, I, I, I hear where you're at, but I want, to, I want to get you to where I'm at, but it's okay for people to just be where they are. It's okay to disagree with someone. Absolutely. You, as long as you hear them, you're not going to change their mind, but just hear them and love them and be open to them. A absolutely. I was, I was with a friend this morning and I'm in a small group with my church, right? I'm in a little small group and my, my, we were talking about, uh, homeless people, right. And giving to people who are maybe, you know, quote unquote panhandlers or people on the street. And he was saying he has a true problem. You know, cause there's so much, you know, the deficit of jobs, you know, there's jobs everywhere, you know, everybody's hiring, you know, like, why can't people just go get a job? You know, it's, it's, you know, like just meet them where they're at. Like, look, I get it. You know, some of us, we have the mental capability. I've been on the other side, being at Tabitha house, my, my, my grandparents shelter where people literally, they don't have the mental capability of holding a job. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to fill out a resume. They that that's all privilege to be able to do those things, to be able to write your name on an application and do those things. That's all a privilege to, to all of us. Right. And you don't know if it's not a privilege until you're not able to do it. Totally. Right. A hundred percent. And I feel like that frustration that your friend may have had, where it's like, there's so many jobs, why can't they work? That's them trying to get them to where they are, right? And right. not meeting someone where they are. Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I tell you all the time, you know, I say this all the time. Look, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give my donation. I'm going to give to whatever charity that is. I'm going to give to my church or wherever it is. And I'm not going to worry about it yet. I'm going to just do my part, right? I'm going to do my privilege part, being able to get, that's it. And I walk away from the situation. If I start worrying about where the FFB is. <laughs> I start worried about where the, where the money's going. I'm going to go crazy, you know? Like, you know, uh, I can't do anything once that, once that container's on the ship and it's in the middle of the ocean. Like, you know, like, Dan's going to call me with great news, right? It made it. Or bad news. Hey, man, it's, uh, you know what? It's, it, as long as we're all transparent and open with everyone, where, like wherever we are, it allows everyone, like I always say, we're all big kids. We all have our own library cards. Like give us the bad news so we can deal with this. Um, but it's interesting to think about, you know, so much about what we do is we, we open hotels, right? And that it's time. You got to get those rooms going. You got to get it done. But there's this uh, the kind of a conflict of meeting people where they're at, right? Right. And that's yeah. the situation, but also needing to get things done. Um how do you reconcile that? Because like in your day job, you have, you're opening hotels. So Absolutely. how do you deal? You know, I, I think that, you know, sympathy and empathy for people who are not where we're at is one thing. And then I think our job duty and what we do professionally is something different. Right. Uh, I, I separate them because, um, I think, I, I don't know why I separate them, but I, I have separated them. I do try to bring a heart posture to the table for my clients to make and try and understand where they're at. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, I, I separate the two because I know there's a duty. I know there's a, there's a job to do. There's a, uh, there's a schedule to me. Right. And, 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 and that's what we, that's our promise for our clients. Hey, we'll meet local make the schedule, we'll do whatever we need to do. And we'll be transparent if we're not going to meet the schedule. Right. Um, so that's, that, that's one big thing. Uh, if I, if I, if I can do that, um, if, if I can do that, I, I'm better off because that empathy, it'll, it'll take a lot. I, I think the sensitivity for me, it'll take a lot out of me. Right. You know, that uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play hardball on this side and then, you know, I give the, the other motion part up later. Well, I, I also think to have a, a truly open and calm heart posture 
to just go with that. I love that so much. So thank you for sharing that with me. Um, you kind of have to be really good with yourself too, right? And being good with yourself is being organized, kind of knowing what the thesis is, knowing what the objective is. And I find that the people who lose that heart posture or close their heart off or start freaking out are the ones that are not good with themselves. They're not the organized ones. They don't really know what the ultimate outcome is. And then they start lashing out at others. Because Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, it, internally, you know, I'll take this analogy that, that I heard from, well, it really was my knowledge, but I, I heard someone giving a message. He was saying that people who have, who are in substance abuse situations, the substance abuse is just really the, the, the what they objected to in the end, but it's all about what's going on internal, right? And I think if we can get internal right, the external will be even better, right? Like what we deliver is going to be even better. That heart posture is right. I have a friend, she's a designer. And when she, she's listening to this, she'll know I'm talking about her. She called me and said, hey, Aaron, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter thing, you know, I'm really uh, curious of like what I can say, what I can't say. And I said, you know, I get the fit very often. But what I tell people all the time is if your heart posture's right, it doesn't matter what you say because people can feel the empathy. People can sense it. People know you're being cordial and you're, you're curious and you're wondering and you're, you're trying to learn or you're trying to, you're trying to gain more knowledge, right? And I think that's, that's what all of this is about. Having the right posture that flows into hospitality, it flows into what is hospitality, it flows into the Black Lives Matter, it flows into the George Floyd, it flows into election, politics, right hot heart posture. Just because you think you're the, you have the right answer, that's fine. But your 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 other partner might have a great answer too, or they might have a different objective, or they might see something you don't. See. Well, I I really think that the people who think that they have the right answer, oftentimes the conflict winds up happening when that right answer that they think they have, you said, you know, if someone's coming from a place where they're curious or they want to gain knowledge about something that they might not know about, if you have if you think you have the right and only answer you're not curious or open to hearing what that other thing is. You still might not agree with them, but I think that one of the things I love so much about our industry too, is in being of this servant kind of servant leader, um, servant mindset, servant, just, you know, putting others first, we have to be hearing them. And I think that much like your friend who was curious about what she can and can't say, I feel like a lot of what our industry is about is just, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. As long as we're listening, as long as we're curious and actually you brought it up. Um, I wanted to get there, but with, I love what you're doing with HDAC, the hospitality diversity action underline action, uh, committee, right. because I feel like you're, uh, you and your other board members and other leaders, and there's other people that within our industry work, I, I like being able to have these conversations and I might say the wrong thing. As long as there's that heart posture, I'm coming at it from a place where I can have this talk. So tell me about the thesis as it aligns with what you're trying to accomplish with HDAC. Action. Taking action. Not only bringing more diversity, but bringing diversity. Because we have, as, as my friend Nina and Damon and Bashar and all those great people would say, we have plenty of diversity in, in, the, in the hospitality industry. All your housekeepers, all your, you know, engineers, all, all the, you know, you know, everyone lower than a GM. When you start going to the C-suite, the REITs, the private equity groups, and the ownership, I mean, it tapers off hardcore, right? Uh, I think they said maybe 1% of my, 1% of African-Americans, I forget what the actual status, but like maybe 1%. Maybe own hotels, right? Uh, or maybe one percent are in C suite. Uh, I'll find the data on the, the, the information for you. Um, but we're we're trying to help the, the generations behind us think about 
these positions. Think about finance. Think about, you know, and even architecture, interior design, manufacturing. We were at HDAC, we were trying to figure out, man, are there any Black-owned furniture manufacturers? And there was crickets, right? Because between Stacy, myself, we have Brady Whaler. You know, between the three, Nina, you know, Bashar, between we we know quite a few people. And, and not to be able to find one out of the the mix, we would we 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 want to bring more opportunity to all communities uh, and shape up this industry so it is more inclusive. Right. Um, It's a huge problem. And I just, even just outside of our industry, just speaking as an entrepreneur and I'm in this entrepreneurs organization, I'm in the New York chapter. It's a global organization. Like we struggle with diversity. We struggle with uh, female entrepreneurs. We struggle with finding um, minority owned businesses and they're out there, but even even recruiting them is really difficult to do. So I don't know. That's one of the reasons why I want to have this podcast too, is to just get a diversity is what makes us all so strong, especially in this country. And I feel like it's way past time that we start talking about this more and having these safe conversations and be curious and see, Hey, how can we move the needle? Because I really believe, um, that talent is uniformly distributed, but opportunity is not. 100%. We all, we all got talent. Everyone is born to come in this world with talent. Opportunity is something different. Because I can tell you the opportunity that my daughter's going to have, I'll probably, I, I didn't see in third grade. You know, she's coming home saying that she's learning distributive property, third grade. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, let me let me go on YouTube and get this word yeah. out. You're and, ready they, and, and they're teaching you how to just do regular old multiplication in totally different ways. But it's but it also kind of comes into this. It's like, okay, there's more than one way to figure out a problem. And I think it, even in education with like what your daughter's going through, I'm just amazed at the so many different ways that they're that they're learning because it just helps your brain work forwards and backwards and find all these different solutions. And I'm very, I'm very excited for what that looks like in 10 or 15 years. Dude, tell me about it. When COVID happened, I have my daughter at home. She's sitting there saying, no, we're supposed to circle one and then break it down and then add it back. I'm like, look, let me just tell you what one, but what, what six plus five is. Okay. <laughs> let me just show you. She's like, man, I can't do it like that. We had to break the six down into three and three, and then we got to add the five. Yeah, I'm like, holy moly! What are they doing to my? What are they doing to my baby? You know, like, what's? I think it's on? called Singapore math for some reason. But yeah, I love it. It's this. It's this. It's this fluency in, in problem solving, and, and I think that you know, whatever problems are thrown at us, the more ways we can think about it from all different ways, actions, no matter what the outcome is, the more diverse ways you can come at anything the better the solution will be. Absolutely. The the reason, I I think the reason there's so many barriers to to different things is people don't have the knowledge. They don't have the, they've never been introduced. They've never been, they've never walked another another man's shoes, right? Like, I I think we need, I'm glad my daughter's learning all these different methods of how to add six plus five, right? Like, I, I think it's cool. Right. It's been, it's been painful for me, but it's, it's cool. Right. Um, because I, I, I think you do, you start thinking outside the box a lot more, um, because uh, tradition is, tradition is beautiful, but I, I use the saying a lot. You never want to be blockbuster, right? You never want to be blockbuster. You never, you never want to have Netflix come to your office and offer you a, you know, what the future looks like. And you're like, nah, keep with the VCR. Keep with the VHS. Nobody's going to do that. You know, and I hope nobody from Black Russian will listen to this, but, you know, you know, I think they're all going. You know, <laughs> you know, like, you never want, I, I never, there's a COO, Tom Keeley, um, 
the Danrock. He used to come to Rome and make us think outside the box. Guys, what are we doing? I want to see, see rainbows. I want to see flowers. I, I want to, you know, this should, this should feel like a honeymoon. You know, like, like stop doing all the, the same tired stuff. You know, like, you, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, like, I, I just really think it's, it's our job, especially in the hospitality sector. And I think that's why boutique hotels and soft brands are doing so well. It's people want experience, right? And, and, and you got to be able to, you got to be able to add a little different. You got to be able to, you know, speak a little different. You got to be able to talk a little different. You got to be open to a different language. You got to be able to learn something other than English. Right? And, you know, like you got to be open to it all so we can be more inclusive as, as, a, as a society, as a, as, a, as a United States, as, as, a, as a country, as a, as a world. Uh, we got to be more inclusive. We're missing so much. We're missing yeah. so much. We are. And I think I'm really intrigued by the independent space as well. Um, and the, all the soft brands, because it's allowing the bigger brands to get into that kind of boutique, more independent, not so guide policy oriented or like, Hey, this is a, uh, an environment and let's be connected to the community where we are. We didn't just land on a moon in a neighborhood or in a city or a town and just have this thing that doesn't fit. But it also allows the ones that are done really well, they allow for these collision points in the lobby where it's like, Hey, don't just go to your room, stay down here, sit next to the person and learn something like what's your thesis. Like I don't, I never would have thought of that if I wasn't sitting down right next to you at that dinner. And yeah, just think about all those misconnections, the more collisions that we can create amongst us all, then, you know, we find ourselves on these other journeys. And, and so many of our designers are doing it so well, right? They're really bringing people together and, you know, and that's why we need each other as an industry. Our designers and our architects are just so talented and the visions of the different brands that's out there, like Ace Hotels, you know, like shout out to Brad and them. I mean, when I first did my first Ace Hotel, I mean, you know, like this, this table that's like 50 feet long in New York and, you know, there's just tons of people sitting at it and intermingling and talking and borrowing chargers and, you know, like, like what end of this, you know, but hey man, I love it. I love it. Yeah. They're doing a really good job. I, and actually just, there's so many that are doing great. And, and speaking to other people in our industry, as we make our way out into the whatever's next after we get through this COVID and reduced headcount everywhere. I really think that we are entering the time. It is the time for independence. It is the time for boutiques. I don't even know what an independent or a boutique is, but I know it's kind of like when the Supreme court says they don't know what pornography is unless you see it and you know, like, I know right. when I find something that's just right. Uh, exactly. So. Going from your evolution from firefighter, which was totally surprising right. to being and doing and being an entrepreneur and being in our industry and a leader in our industry, how did that happen? Well, let, let me just tell you, I'm still fighting fires. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's different. Yeah. You know, you're just shipping potato costs, you know, they just, you know, fight with my my awesome general contractors out there, designers, and, you know, sorting. So still fighting fires, but you know, I, I, I claim the clothing now. Lighter clothing. That's it. Yeah. Well, unless I'm going to Vermont. Unless I'm going to Vermont. Yeah. Um, dude, it was, it was a miracle. Like, so I was in Vincennes, Indiana, uh, small country town you know i was a firefighter there trying to get into this full-time position because uh, i was volunteer slash paid to so like a part-time firefighter i'm doing this thing and i'm loving it and it was just it was rule but i love what i was doing you know I mean? nobody called unless they need your help right like it was one of the most rewarding jobs i remember fourth of july we're passing out popsicles and this guy goes, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, I just gave you a popsicle. Like, what do you want? You know? It's like, dude, thank you for pulling me out of that car. Oh, wow. I'm like, 
you know, come on, like this, this crazy stuff. And, but it got to a point where I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this door that keeps closing my face and all these politics in Indiana and these small towns. And like, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying. Look, the wage was $26,000 a year. Like I'm like, but that was a household income where I came from. So it was just like, you know, you know, so I'm like, just trying to like push, push through this door and it just kept shutting. I said, you know what? Packing up my stuff, I went back to Chicago. Packed up, went back to Chicago, went to Malcolm X College, which is like a little junior college on the west side of Chicago. And, and I don't know if I didn't use Google that, but by the time I got in class, they were like, dude, you can be a paramedic but it takes like 10 years to get on the fire department. Like 10 years. What do you guys do for that? Like you're going to make about seven fifty an hour. You're going to EMT. And you can do that 40 hours a week and hope your name gets pulled. I'm like, no, there's no way. So I instantly started getting like three or four jobs. Times got hard. Mm-hmm. Got super tough. And... The landlord knocks on the door and like, hey, you need a job? I'm like, well, I think you can see that by the way I'm in my rent. <laughs> He's like, oh, I think you'd be good in construction. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. He's like, oh, I really do think you'll be good in construction. I'm like, dude, I don't know what a permit is. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, what do you, I don't know what you see. He's like, meet my boss. So I went to go meet his boss. He said the same thing. He's like, you know what, Gary, you're hired. And that was the start. Wow. And I went back and, and I was working for a property. I was, I was a property management company. I was, I was managing like 500 units. I didn't know they would turn into hotel keys one day. You know, I went back to school, got a bachelor's in construction management, you know, minor in business, did well there. And it just it took off like a rocket. So I want to come back to this point, but I, as you were saying, I didn't know it was in Indiana. I didn't know it was in Vincennes, but I've spent some time in, I have a really good friend that has a place down in Sullivan County, Indiana, which is about, I don't know, 30. I know exactly where it is. I know it's exactly called Merrim. And how the hell did you get in Vincennes? Like, how did you even wind up there? I, Ooh. that's like, look, uh, 41 goes straight through it. Right. So 41 comes out of Chicago off of Lakeshore Drive. And it takes you to the backwoods and drops you through Terre Haute, right? Terre Haute, Indiana. And it drops you right down in, in down in, right there. Oh, Vincent, my uncle was living in Evansville. And that's really how I discovered it. My uncle's like, I know you want to be a firefighter. This is the place to do it. I looked at a firehouse. You know, we had on fire trucks, right? It, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It was an amazing experience. But yeah. You know, and right on the Wombash River. Yeah. So I like, we go, I bring my kids out there and it's, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome out there, but that's like out there. And I, Terre Haute, I know, you know, just going by that federal prison on the way. And it's just, yeah, it's always, it's like they're ex every time in there, they're executing someone else. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm glad you made your way out of there. I'm glad I made my way out of there too, man. It was, it was, it was really wild. A lot of crazy stories. And look, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think this really paved the way for this whole heart posture thing. I remember one time going to rescue someone um, in Washington, Indiana. A tornado had just came through. And um, we're, we're going up to people's porches. And I knock on one guy's door. He's like, get your ass off my porch. I'm like, wow, this is different. I was just trying to see if you're feeling the same, <laughs> right? Yeah. But my job was not to judge how he felt about me or my skin color, if it was my skin color. My job was to make sure he was safe. And I guess if his cows and cattle were still in, intact, right? Like, you know, make sure the fence wasn't, the house wasn't coming down. Yeah, that's scary too, because everyone is very heavily armed down there. Very, very heavily armed, without a doubt. I think oh, we man. carried a gun. In, I think we carried a gun in the, in the freaking fire truck. You know, 
I bet. Yeah. And then you turn on that hose and keep them away. That's crazy. That's right. That's right. Uh, but actually it's making sense. So a uh, firefighter or shelter firefighter. Okay. So you're doing construction, solving problems, but really winding up in hospitality. Now, now it all makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it's all come together together better than I could ever plan. Right. Uh, a lot of people paved the way. Um, Cliff Durkin, PDSI, shout out to him. Ralph Engelberger, PDSI, Lori Horvath, JLL, Steve Schroep, JLL, now CBR, um, Scott Hammonds, you know, um, all, all these, you know, Stacy, Shar, all these people who have helped me, Karen Arrington. I can just keep going, right? There's plenty, you know, Nina, you know, Damon, like all these people, Angela Clark, like, like all these people who have constantly poured into me so I can pour into others and do what I'm doing now. Uh, it, it just doesn't stop. And it takes a village, you know, it takes a, it takes a community, right. Um, to, to, to do what we're doing. And I, I've heard this said a couple of times where it's like, we've, Wherever we are right now, we're never where we want to be, or we're never, nothing is ever fixed. You never get, and you're like, oh, I've arrived. It's always, you're always pushing. You're always on this journey. But really, it, we really owe so much to all, all those people you just mentioned, all those shoulders that we, all, we stand on. We're always standing on the shoulders of others because we all are helping each other get to where we want to get to. Absolutely. Look, that Cliff Durkin saw me on a ladder. Took a picture of me and sent it to the senior and the BPs of first finish and said, Aaron climbing his way to the top. And then they were at it, a piece of artwork. Wow. No. Yeah. And then I ended up working for it. Do you have a copy of that picture? I got, I'll send it to you. Oh, yeah. I'll send them. <laughs> Oh man, I have so yeah, so many good ones. Well, I'm yeah. to sh- we'll we'll share some of those shoulder standings and ladder staring stories when I see you in New York. Yeah, dude. Like uh, I phenomenal. Oh man, that's hilarious. See, but then some if right, if you're always doing right by others, people do look out for others and help them on their way because we all see and we must it must come back to that heart posture. We recognize that open heart kind, caring soul. And then we just all want to help each other. One, a hundred percent. Nobody's looking for the perfect person because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that, that, that person's looking for the perfect wife, right? Mm-hmm. Like doesn't, it, you know, you're never going to hundred percent, right? If you're looking for it, man, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Our wives are 110%, but yes, I do understand nothing in theory, nothing is ever a hundred percent because we, we all have so much more work to do. We're all on a journey where the, the destination is the journey of where we're trying to get to. Absolutely. And so thinking about that, as far as the journey that you're on, what's keeping you up at night right now? Man, growth. I, I gave a shout out to Scott Hammonds and Alan Benjamin. No, people have helped pave this way. Well, they've paved the way where our, the 26 Corps is experiencing growth. Uh, and performing for my clients, knowing when to hire, knowing when to, how to cut costs from shipping finding new vendors, stateside vendors, lead times. We used to all say 12 to 20 weeks. Now it's like 20 to 32 weeks, right? How do I tell my client it's going to take 32 weeks for me to get your case goods? 32 weeks, you know, 16 weeks to get your model room furniture. What? Yeah, like... It's, it's that's what's keeping me up at night, right? Yeah. So, so that whole entrepreneur, the whole new entrepreneur 
uh, growth that I'm going through, that the growing pains, and then just the regular hospitality industry, you know, nuances that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally hear you on that. And it's funny you say like these really extended lead times, right? It's actually not funny. Um, but when we were at that Hunter conference, I saw Alan speak in one of these breakout panels and he, this was, I don't know, six or eight months ago, whenever it was, he said, look, all markets are efficient. I believe all markets are efficient, but there's something really insane going on right now with freight. And it's making me think it's not efficient. And I just don't, I don't know what the user is. No. And I think we're all constantly searching for it, right? We're, we're, we're constantly searching from. We got an order the other day and he said, you know, the order came, the, the shipping cost came in $15,000 less. I'm like, wow, that's great. We're still 150% over, but you know, the $15,000 is going to help, but it, it, it's just wonky. It's, it's wonky, man. I mean, people were blaming on supply and demand. I don't think I saw as many pumpkins ever this year. I mean, it, you know, there was, you go to Target, there's no Halloween stuff out. There's no, you know. People were saying it's supply and demand and COVID. I don't know, man. It's, it's hard to it's hard to digest every day. Um, yeah, but it's 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 definitely it's definitely tough. Uh, I was talking to someone from Carol Adams, and they were saying, "Do you think we'll ever see thirty five hundred dollars a container again? Ever?" Look, I have to think. I don't know if it'll go there, but. For 20 plus years, it always stayed within the same band. There was no inflation. And that's why I think I wrote about this somewhere where it was, I think that some, in five years, someone will write a book called The Big Port, but instead of The Big Short. And I think it's going to be cast um, with, I guess, Brad Pitt will be the financier and George Clooney will be like the ne'er-do-well son of a shipping magnate. And they figured out some way to exploit these uh, these bottlenecks. And I, that's why going back to what Alan said, all markets being efficient, I really believe they are, but something is not getting efficient. It's not clicking. Yeah. Something's not clicking. Yeah. Uh, on, on the entrepreneurial journey, um, side, you're not alone. A lot of us entrepreneurs, we're all figuring it out. We're always, I always feel like I'm constantly in a startup. Um, but I will definitely, I'll, we'll take it offline and I'll just re introduce you to this whole EO entrepreneurs organization thing. Cause it's been a, a life changer for me in such an amazing way. That, that That's awesome. And, you know, I, I've been like Mikey Dobbins and Karen Harrington and Alan and you know, all the Leo from Phil Dude. I ping those guys constantly. Dude, what, what do you do? You know, what's your thoughts here? Christmas gifts? How many people are sending Christmas gifts to? Like, you know, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a learning curve, man. Um, Damon, I called him yesterday, like, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I just I want to call him talk. I just want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to win. He's like, that thing is important. I'm on a conference call. I'm like, all right, just call me back, you know? Because uh, it's, 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 it's a different aspect, man. Uh, but I love it. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm blessed. I feel very privileged to, to be on this journey. For however long it is, you know, I hope it's forever, right? And I, I feel very blessed and privileged to to do this. Well, and much in the same way, I'm I'm just blessed to have sat next to you at that dinner. And you know, within all these conversations I'm having, having, and that we're having, it's I feel like another another community kind of percolating within my world. Um, and I'm just glad you're a part of it as well. I, absolutely, I think I was sitting next to Kimberly. And she said, you really got to get to know Dan. Like, you, know, you really, I think he's about to do this podcast thing. You really got to get to know Dan. And Kimberly's another one who's been amazing to me. Uh, you know, I, I'm just. I mean, I'm, she, she really pushed me because I, I was doing some of these Instagram live things. And she's like, you gotta, you're so good. You got to do a podcast. So she, like, I, she's definitely one of those strong voices back here that kind of pushed me to this conversation where we are right now. And I'm, you know, again recognizing the shoulders of all those that we're standing on. It's, uh, it's amazing. And, uh, just to be able to have appreciation and gratitude for all of them. Absolutely. And it's hard to remember to do that all the time. It is at 100%, but dude, I never in a million years thought I'd be sitting here. 
mm-hmm. like this. So I go back to it every single day. I think about it all the time. Like, where would I be if I stayed in the area code of 60644? Right. Like, where would I be? Because I know where a lot of my friends are. Or where, where my friends who are alive who are not alive. Like, you know, family members. You know, like, where would I be? What would I be doing? Right? And to have this privilege to be, be worried about FF&E and, you know, like, worried about paying people on a monthly basis, weekly basis, whatever it is, like, it's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, it is. it's hard work. It's hard work. I get it. You know, we've worked hard to get there. I get it. It's privilege. Right? It is. So, so go, going with that and just that kind of feeling of gratitude, appreciate, appreciation, privilege, like, what's... What are you most excited about in the future? Oh, dude, hotel ownership. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm so excited for the diversity and the the inclusion and the action and everything that's coming forth and what, you know, the committees, the council that Stacey put together and everything that we're going to be doing for like Damon and his, you know, uh, the hotel brand homage he has out there and what, you know, all the partnerships and all the stuff that's going on. Like I'm, I'm ecstatic because I feel like it's just brewing, right? Like it, it's, it's brewing and, and, and it's, we're just waiting for it to, to, to let go. Right. And in 10 years, we'll have another podcast and dude, I think the story is going to be different. Like, I think we're going to start seeing young ones come up, you know, be GMs, be financial leaders, be analysts, going to Cornell, going to NYU, going to Penn State, because we've been able to, you know, put some, some words and, you know, partner with some, some amazing people and to, to get that word out there that this, this is one of the best industries you can ever be in. It's such a family. It's a community. It's family. I mean, I feel like I've known you forever, Dan. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you text me or whatever, and you're like, hey, can you do this? Or do you know this person? Or whatever, right? Like, Karen Harrington, I met her during COVID. And then COVID. And we talk like once a week. Minimal. 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 We, we don't, like, last 18 months, every week. And it's interesting because if you go back to the, the handful of times I met you before we sat down at that dinner next to each other, it was just ships passing. Hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? How are you? But then, you know, I think COVID, the silver lining is it allowed us all to kind of reset and just, ooh, okay, let's, uh, let's reevaluate. Let's re-engage. Let's re-engage in a different way. Absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all sat down. And said, wow, what do we do now? Right? I got furloughed. Right. I was really sitting down. <laughs> yeah. And Alan, ben- and Alan Benjamin called me and was like, dude, I don't know why you're sitting down. Like, this is the time to do it. It's time to launch out the deep, you know? Mm-hmm. But no, seriously, it, it all made us, like, really sit down and just think about what we're doing. And then we had the George Floyd situation happen and like it provided like, you know, then, then we had election and I mean, we had so much going on. Then we spent more time with our kids, with our spouse. Hey babe, I don't know you, but it's about, I'm about to get to know you. you know? <laughs> and, how, and how many family dinners did we all, did we all have? You know, it's like, Who? The, that's the best thing that I, already I feel like, oh boy, what happened at that time? But my wife said, man, I didn't know you can cook on the grill. I'm like, look, I hope that's sarcasm. You guys eat every night. <laughs> uh, so Aaron, if you were to go back to that 10, 12 year old Aaron working at the shelter, right? Learning about that heart posture and, and uh, after the journey of firemen, 
construction management, uh, multifamily, hotel, furlough, now having the 26 Co as an entrepreneur. What advice would the Aaron of today give the 12 year old Aaron working at the shelter? Don't take any moment for granted because it all, all works out very good. Don't, don't complain about the coordinator position. Don't complain about the project manager position. Don't complain about the internally, right? Like, you know, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up. Man, I can't believe I'm still here in this place. I can't believe I'm still doing this. I can't believe I'm here. Or Sometimes we, we just have tough love on ourselves, but we beat ourselves up, especially with Instagram and Facebook and a comparison. No, don't do it. Because it all works out for your good. It all paints out for you. And if you, if you treat people right, you love on people. If you're yourself, I text, I text state Stacy happy birthday. And she responds, thank you for being yourself. I'm like, look, Stacy, you weren't supposed to be complimenting me. I'm complimenting you. Like, this is your birthday. Celebrate. But like, like be yourself, you know, like, and, and enjoy life. It goes by. It happens so fast. Right. Totally. Happened so fast, man. It, it was my 19th anniversary yesterday. Wow. And my, my wife was looking at old videos. By the way, we took a lot of pictures. We didn't take a lot of videos. It's crazy uh, with the phone there. But I remember she was showing, um, she was looking at some old videos of my son. And he's like, wow, dad looked so young. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and what does that mean? I think it means I just look a lot older than I did, whatever that was, 10 years ago when, yeah. he, was, when he was a little, but yeah. he hasn't changed much. That's the other thing you look, I ask you how you were at a, as a 12 year old, um, or eight year old or five. I think most of the, like my kids anyway, they are exactly like they were when they were six months to a year old. And it's just, they, nothing really has changed. They, maybe they've learned some words and they can walk without getting stitches, bumping into something, but it, it, it's funny you said that. Um, my mom was called me one day and she was just kind of in a sentimental place because she sacrificed so much, right? She sacrificed a lot for us. Um, I mean, incredible. We didn't have a lot. So she sacrificed everything she had, but she called me. She was like, you know, I was thinking, I remember when you used to just help people at church, like as a little kid, I remember we used to help like the old little lady and she's like, that hasn't changed to your point. I think if we raise our kids, we learn from grandma and all those things they imparted in us, I think life works out just fine. No, don't get ahead of yourself. My wife is seven years younger than me, right? So sometimes I tell her, I said, just keep living, babe. <laughs> and then that's what she does. That's what she throws a shoe at me. But then I just yeah. say, keep, keep living, babe. She's like, What's oh, your what? wife's name? Melissa. Melissa. Okay. You're 110% Melissa. This is here. 110% Melissa. So just keep living. You'll see. Just keep looking. Yeah. Because it, it shows up and it works out. Uh, Aaron, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? We'll put this in the show notes as well. But how do people find you? Absolutely. Um, so on Instagram, underscore 26 code, T H E 26 C O. Um, on LinkedIn, um, you can find me under Aaron Anderson. Um, just type in 26 code right after it. My email is also Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at the 26code.com. So please reach out. Look, I love and have a passion for people. I love new vendors, by the way. Um, I don't know what it is, but I love new vendors. I love people who are out there risking it all and trying to, trying to come up with something, right? I think that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. I, there is security in knowing 
you know, established companies as well. I get it. Um, but there's something said about someone who's willing to lay it all on the line. Um, give it their all. Awesome. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I can't wait to see you in person really, really soon. Medium live. Yep. Here we go. Stace, thanks for building that community for all of us. Absolutely. Um, and also I just want to thank all of our listeners again. I hope this talk has evolved your view on how to deliver both giving and receiving hospitality, especially this idea of heart posture and openness. Um, I think we all have so much to learn, uh, cause I know I learned so much. And if you did, please share this podcast with a friend. Uh, thank you everyone. And we'll see you next time.